Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, bringing another special message today. This one will not be on Christmas. This one will be facing the new challenges and our perspectives for the new year. I'm going to entitle a new series that I've got, I'm working on. It uh, will be in about three or four parts, and it's going to be entitled God's Preferred Route. God's Preferred Route. Today's message is going to be labeled Taking a Stand, and it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, but I want to read another verse first, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. So to give it perspective and to give it context, let me read 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. And then over in chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, I want to read this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, my goal today is not to do an exegesis on all of that, but I do want to talk about uh, this. I'm hearing so much lately about God. Uh, New Year's resolutions and, and talking about what people are going to do in the new year and what they're not going to do and looking back and the regrets that they've got. But I do want to talk about this just briefly. This won't be a long message, but I just want to, to give you my perspective on, on what that is. Now, New Year's resolutions, uh, I was told the other day that everybody makes them. Well, and everybody may not make them, but many people do make them. Unfortunately, uh, they end up being uh, disappointments or f- totally forgotten because people don't keep them. Uh, there's a survey out that I just saw yesterday. It said most people's New Year resolutions deal with two things, either spending less money or losing weight. And they said even on the survey that the average amount of weight that most people claim they want to lose in the new year is anywhere from 25 to 65 pounds. And uh, they said the sad thing is most most people probably won't keep those. So in looking at this, I think, you know, our uh, unrealistic expectations sometimes turn into uh, disappointments. Uh, even though we call them expectations, they're unrealistic. And I think that's what a lot of New Year's resolutions actually are. They're unrealistic expectations. Listen to the way one writer puts this. He said, be, a real, be realistic. Many people give up because they set their sights too high. Making a New Year's resolution, pick a goal that you can reasonably expect to obtain. Uh, And here's an example that he gives of one. An unrealistic goal. In the next month, I will lose 25 pounds. He said, that's an unrealistic goal. Uh, A realistic goal would be, over the next year, taking it an ounce or two at a time, I will gain uh, 25 pounds, and my face will blow it out like a military uh, life raft. That's really what what's going to happen. In other words, they're not going to do the diet. They're actually going to gain weight. But my, my thing is, is this. Be realistic in, in your thing as far as losing weight. For example, do this. My goal next month is to lose uh, several pounds. Uh, and then the, the realistic side of that is I'm going to live every day doing something towards a weight loss program. Something betterment for my, some betterment plan for my health. In other words, I'm going to do something every day to help my my weight. Uh, unrealistic goal might be I want to learn uh, Spanish uh, in the next uh, two weeks. Uh, I hear all kinds of things. I've heard people want to pay off all their debts in the next uh, two months. 
Uh, well, that's, you know, unless you get a windfall of money, I don't know how you could do that. I'm just hearing all kinds of things. And so I wanted to put together this message because I think we need a fresh perspective. I think we're going to need a perspective on, on, on the Christian life. I think we're going to need a perspective on, on prophecy, for example. You see, we're living in some tough times. Like the verse said, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And uh, we're in those days. If, if everything that I have been preaching on out of the book of Revelation is true, then we are actually living in those last days. Even though I understand that Paul was talking about the last days basically consuming all of the church age. <clears throat> From the time the church begun all the way to when the church is taken out at the rapture. And if, I, if, if, if the teaching is, is correct in, in what I've been saying about Revelation, we are at that time. I don't know how we can go much further, even though I'm, you know, that's not up to me, that's up to the Lord. <clears throat> but we are living in some tough times, and the closer we get, the tougher it's going to get. I would have never thought God would allow us to see the things we're seeing today as far as the world getting set, the world being uh, ready, the stage being set for the, for the, the things that are, are been, have been prophesied in the book of Revelation, Ezekiel and Daniel, uh, as far as getting ready for the tribulation period. But we are in those tough times. Anyone who doubts this is either completely out of touch or blindly optimistic. And by the way, that can be. Human depravity or our culture is at an all-time low. I mean, we're, we're seeing things that we've never seen before. The, the woke community is discussing things and trying to bring in teachings to the school system that would never have been tolerated years ago. Uh, and, and you know what those are as far as the, the race or sex and, and all that the kids can now decide whether they, they relate better to being a male than a female. Uh, I'm not even going to, to approach all of those except to say that uh, evil is on the increase. Uh, they, I read another statistic yesterday that said that uh, the crime is, is, has, has risen to an all-time high nationwide uh, especially open, violent crimes against senior adults. And I've seen some of these on the news videos of people just walking down the street and someone comes up and just slugs them, knocks them out. And in fact, I've seen where several people have even been killed like this. And I worry about my, my wife and myself or, or walking somewhere, even out of a grocery store, and that happening to us. It would be difficult. So... Evil is on the rise. Our human depravity is, is ever We see it so real and so conclusive to just look around at your community. Uh, false solutions are deceitfully veiled as truth. Uh, that, I'm talking about the news broadcast. It, it, it's amazing. Humanism has reached an all-time high. Uh, promises are quickly broken. Commitments are, are both shallow and fickle. In the words of uh, Paul, difficult times are upon us, are upon us. And they are coming, and they're going to be more difficult. Well, how does the Christian actually cope with this? What is our perspective? I mean, should I be taking New Year's resolutions that uncover, that uncover some of this stuff? Well, you could, yes. But I, I'm not one for making resolutions, maybe because I'm one of the ones that never would keep one or even remember that I actually gave one or took one. 
So I wanted to talk realistically about the Word of God and what we can do during these difficult times in, in hopes that we can we can actually learn to take a stand. Because let me tell you something. Times are getting tough, whether we believe it or not. But I want you to look at this. Look at 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, realize this. And basically that just simply means understand this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. Well, it doesn't say how long the difficult times will be. It doesn't say uh, 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 how, how long before the end comes, because we don't know how that we don't know what that could be. We don't know when the end's coming, so we just have to assume that as we see the progression or the downward spiral of our own community, our own civilization just spiraling out of control, that we must be near the end. As we see things happening in prophecy, we, we know that these kinds of things are, have been talked about. And when the Bible says when you, when you know these things and you understand these things, then look up your redemption draws nigh. I mean, and I think that's a reference. To, I mean, we need to realize that the rapture could be any moment. But in thinking about that, Paul wrote of the days yet future to him, but we can speak of those days as, well, we see them a lot clearer than Paul did. And Paul may have had, I mean, we know Paul's life was very was marked by difficulty. But he's talking about something else here. And actually, if we had time to exegete this, this is a warning to the church. This is written to the church. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. This is not talking about everyday Joe Blow on the street out there. This is dealing with the church. And so as these days are, are described as living in them, I want you to notice the word that is found here. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult. You see that word difficult? Difficult days or difficult times will come. Now, the word difficult is actually a very vivid uh, word. It, has, it's, 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 it means harsh or hard to deal with or hard to handle. It can mean fierce or perilous. In fact, some translations say perilous times are coming. A painful. It can even mean savage. The root term is used in, in, in one other uh, place in the New Testament, and it's, it's found in... in Matthew chapter 8, and I just want to take a, a quick look at that just briefly so you can understand just a little bit about what I'm talking about. Matthew eight twenty eight says this, And when he had come to the other side, the country of the, of the Gadarenes, two men were demon-possessed, met him as they were coming out of the tombs, and they were so exceedingly violent that no one could pass the road. Now, Describing these two men who had demons, and it is translated here exceedingly violent. as two words there given. It's the same word used that Paul uses over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he gives it as difficult times. So difficult times in, in 2 Timothy is the same word used in Matthew 8.28 to mean exceedingly violent. So our exceedingly violent times are coming. Uh, now, what are those times? What are these going to be marked by? Well, we can see, even according to the teachings of the book of Revelation, 
you take all of the demonic influence, for example, that's going to happen during the tribulation period. You can take everything from from Revelation chapter uh, 9, both sections. There's two parts to Revelation chapter 9. And in both those sections, we see an influx of of demonic activity upon the earth such that the world has never seen. We're talking millions and millions of demons messing around with people. Uh, They're going to create exceedingly violent times. Well, those times are not here yet, but we are so close to the tribulation beginning that it is very possible to see some of the taste of what that's going to be or some of the look or what that is going to actually be like during those times. Ours are exceedingly violent times. From the description Paul gives gives us of the types of people and behavior associated with difficult times, uh, I think we can see there's going to be several conclusions I think we can see over the next year. Uh, I think we're going to find it's going to be harder to walk with God. And so our perspective is going to have to be, we're going to have to take a stand upon our Christian faith and where our faith actually is with God. How real is it for us? How true is it for us? It's going to be more difficult to keep marriages strong. I now have, uh, I've now realized that the, the rate of divorce in America has not only declined, but the rate of people choosing to get married has dropped even farther. More and more young people, and I've even heard it in, in parts of my family, not my immediate family, but my, between my uh, relatives of both sides have said this. And that is that marriage, why get married? It's, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, and that, that that's the feeling of young people. I've heard several people like to say, well, young people just don't, they're not getting married anymore. And it's passed off as well. That's the new and accepted thing. So that is going to be, it's harder to keep not just marriages together, but people together. The activity of the enemy, Satan, will be hard to handle and fiercely powerful. I do believe that even according to Matthew or Revelation chapter 12, that Satan already realizes his time is very, very short when he'll be kicked out of heaven to the earth and he will run rampant over the, uh, the, 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 the time he has left to, to try to destroy God's work or God's people. I think it's going to be far more threatening for men and women to stand for the things of God in the arena of society. And we're already seeing that as our freedoms are being plowed away and the people are being banned from Facebook or Twitter over just beliefs. If you, you, if you haven't been banned yet, your day is probably coming. I mean, the, people are not actually saying too much right now. I don't know what the how the Twitter scene is all going to change, but I do know that Uh, Our rights are already being taken away from us in many, many ways. Crime, immorality, temptation, heresy will surge. Uh, I heard on the the news the other day that it's just too easy for people to lie, to believe anybody anymore. Well, uh, I think that that's true. And in recent times, the events of society have defiled past imaginations. Man, there's things coming into our home now through the news and through movies that we would have never tolerated before, never even considered, ever, and it's now become our regular diet. Except in a few limited number of places in large cities, 
People used to be safe. In fact, I heard this even this morning. People talking about the trouble with schools and the, 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 the conversations that teachers are trying to have with parents. How unrealistic it is to even imagine what these conversations are as the, these uh, hypothetical situations are coming up and teachers have no authority to do much anymore. I'm so glad that my wife got out of teaching when she did. But our cities are not safe. Our schools are not safe. We can't trust what's being taught our children. It used to be when we were in school, and of course I know I'm dating myself, and but I don't care. Uh, man, we got in trouble for chewing gum. We got in trouble for, for talking in class or throwing paper at somebody. Or uh, I can remember taking a typing class, and I used to play wipeout on two keys just to get the teacher's attention. And, you know... Little things like that, but boy, they they're dealing with so much greater things now in schools that you you wonder how is any teaching getting done? Well, I don't think a lot of teaching is getting done, and so we're going to have to realize that in the next year, perhaps it's going to have to be different than this year. In other words, looking at this year, would you say that according to your spiritual pilgrimage, what you read and what you talked about, if it stays the same? that you will be any better off next year than this year? Well, I, you know, that's a tough question. In other words, is there anything you need to change as far as your quiet times? How much time did you have reading the Scriptures? Is there something that needs to be removed from your your life as far as a, a, a sin or a bad habit or a person that needs to be taken? Uh, you need to get away from that type of person who's a bad influence for you. Perhaps there's something that you can say that is going to have to change in your, your next year. So that's why I'm giving you this as far as a, a challenge for us to have a new perspective this year. Uh, start to, Since today is, is, is already January, uh, in looking at getting ready for, for next year. Do we really want next year to be different? Do we want it to be better? Do we, we like it to be more spiritual than what it was this year? I can't answer those questions for you, but let me just take you to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at a couple of things. He actually gives a a clear uh, and and concise statement here. I wish I had time to exegete all of this. I simply do not, but I would like to talk about this for just a minute. How are we going to walk with God if the times get more difficult than this year? I mean, you if you've watched the news at all, and of course I know nowadays you have to say, do you watch certain stations or do you watch other stations because it depends on what you watch as to what kind of news you actually get. Uh, you can be uh, silenced or uh, taken off of some of these social medias if you say the word Fox News or if you uh, refer to something in those veins. But how are you going to walk with God if the times do actually get worse? How are we going to handle the normal situations that come up if the spiritual situations are out of control? You know, How can we stay balanced and determined to live for God in a world? This is the question somebody sent to me. How can we stay balanced and determined to live for God in a world rapidly bound for hell and all the evidences are obvious. Well, that is, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about our society. We're talking about what, what I believe is a judgment upon America. We're talking about 
what is going on as far as the nearness of the of this the tribulation period or the nearness of the rapture itself. What are we to do? Well, I believe this section answers that. It, it answers this, what are we to do, in, in far as helping us take a stand and to be people of, of impact, people of, of, of faith, being able to stand solid and firm in our own faith. And this is what this series is going to be about. I can't wait to get to next week because I'm going to deal with something that's totally different than this week. But I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. He gives the very first standard. He says, preach the word. In difficult times, that standard's easy to shove aside. Well, if that's a challenge to pastors, then assuming you're not a pastor and you're not preaching the word, but this has the reference here and the connotation of attend solid preaching churches. Have in your regular diet, regular preaching services or sermons or podcasts that are in conducive to growth spiritually. In other words, the getting into your diet, the real spiritual food. I wouldn't be a part of a church that didn't teach the Word of God, but I have actually been in churches before that did not. And it is actually amazing to put look at what people will tolerate as, as a church service or a preaching service when it was nothing more than just make you feel good kind of preaching. Uh, but we have to be ready to understand these things. Preaching the Word is not something most pastors are doing. They are preaching at preaching the Word. They are preaching or finding more creative ways into how not to teach the Word of God than to be able to preach the Word of God. It's an amazing thing to see. And if you can't see that or disagree with that, it's per perhaps you are one of the ones that are referred to in the front blindly optimistic and you're not able to really see what's going on. But these difficult times are going to be because the pulpits in America are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. How can we stay balanced and determined to live for God in a world rapidly bound for hell is the one person sent the question. Well, we do it first of all by reading God's Word, getting in a strong Bible teaching church. A church that fully believes that when God speaks, the Bible speaks. Or I think I said that backwards. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. And in understanding this. But we do this at the expense of, of, of maybe sacrificing personal time or, or even being um, um, ridiculed for this. But we have to be ready to not just preach the word here would be to the preacher, but the hearing of the preaching of the word would refer to us. That would be number one. Number two, be persistently on the alert. Be ready in season and out of season. That's what he says. After he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Uh, and that, that refers to, to Christians. Remember, this is a charge to the church. This is people being alert, being ready in season and out of season. Christians of faith need to think critically in contrast to the trend to think uh, lazy or sloppy or flimsy, uh, liberally. Uh, God's word is inerrant, trustworthy, and relevant. The advice, be ready, means to be at hand, to have an alert mind. If we don't, it's only going to be a matter of time before we get sucked into the, the world system or we begin to backslide. And I'm afraid most, even many that will hear this message, are already in that state. And so it, it becomes a very difficult thing to take a stand when you're already in a state where you are not taking a stand. It takes an almighty, all-powerful God to keep 
a life seasonably ready. And so we have to be able to draw upon the scriptures for that to happen. Now, number three, taking a stand. stand listen to what else it says. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and great patience and instruction. Standing is exercising uh, is, is so important to just the physical well-being. But standing is exercise and activity is like this for the Christian life to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. When each is appropriate, it, it's a, you realize most Christians don't do that. But they must not be performed apart from the intent to instruct with great patience. In other words, we're quick to reprove somebody or correct somebody, but do it with the scriptures. Do it with, with in light of the uh, of the instinct. With uh, have great patience with that. Taking a stand involves our saying, "I will do right, whether anybody else in my entire area does right or not." That's what I mean by taking a stand. And that whole feeling of taking, making, I will do what's right means I will stand on what God says. And I will stand on what God says no matter what else uh, somebody else may say about it. Well, again, this is a very general kind of a look at this passage. But but why are we to do it? Uh, no, let, let's look at verse 3 out of, of 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled and will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Now, I want to look at this from the perspective of this is what many people, perhaps some of you that are listening, are already like that. You would rather hear a church service where you feel better getting out of the church. In other words, in his own tradition, Paul not only gives advice but supports it with reasons. Observe the words at the beginning that he says here. For, you see that word for? No, that means because. And because is a word that is is used here to, to show us that, number one, truth is going to be rejected. Truth is already rejected. It's too easy to give something that's not truth. Uh, you, get, you, you start building uh, social media on truth about what is, for example, truth about, uh, you think the media is giving us truth about COVID vaccines, or do you think the media is giving us truth about these shots or by certain teachings that are in the school districts. They're not giving us the truth. They're not even giving us the truth of the crime or the jobs report or anything that I can name. They're not giving us the truth of the border. They're not giving us the truth on anything. So where are you going to get truth? Truth of the Word of God is just as rejected as today. The, the media will not allow the truth of the news to come out. Well, think about this. Truth of doctrine. I had someone refer to me last week as saying, doctrine is for the old-time churches. That churches don't really think much of doctrine anymore. They just want to preach. Well, it's like, I was so shocked to hear that. How do you respond to that? Except to say, what? That That's just, you, you, you preach doctrine. You preach what is strong. You preach what is true. And it says here they will not endure sound doctrine because they've grown accustomed to not hearing sound doctrine. It's amazing to me, and I hear it from many of you who tell me that churches you used to belong to or tried to be a part of or went to were not even teaching the Word of God. Uh, one, one man put it like this. He, he gave a, a read a verse, 
and started talking and never came back to the verse during the whole sermon. Never even related. All about, uh, I call it, seven ways to a happy vacation. But Paul is saying here, they will not endure sound doctrine. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. That means lies are supported. Thus there is the development of an accommodating theology. Teachers of this kind are available in abundance. And, and this is what people are going to desire. They're not going to desire the Word of God. They're not going to desire strong teaching or, or, or teaching that gives an exegesis of, 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 of the passage of Scripture. A necessary perspective is stability is the, the, the badge of the Christian in an unbalanced and often insecure world, as one writer puts it. In other words, if you are the individual who has determined that his lifestyle will be in accordance with the Bible, then most likely you will find yourself with, with only one in your sphere of influence. But doing it God's way results in rewards. That's what Hebrews chapter 6 says. But in order to do something God's way, as we're going to look at this series, God's preferred route, is we're going to have to understand what the route is. In other words, how are we to do this standing firm during difficult times? How are we to proceed knowing the rapture is close and the end times are here? Prophecy is being fulfilled at such a rapid rate, people like Amir can't even keep up with it. And he spends his full time doing it. I don't even try to keep up with it. I just try to read it and be, uh, be aware of all that is going. You can't keep up with it. So how are we to do this? The way to get through difficult times is to operate like it says here in verse 5. Look at what verse 5 says of 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, But you, be sober in all things. And that means, sober does not mean uh, free from the influence of alcohol. It means be serious. Be calm. It, it, means, it means looking at something in a, in, a, in a way that is probably different than the way most people are seeing it. And, and that is a way that uh, is, is serious and honest and, and, and determined to be uh, real. He's reminded, sober in all things, this section deals. The sober means to understand, basically, your priorities. It means self-control. It's the idea of self-mastery, a very common term throughout uh, all of the pastoral epistles. It means be steady, attentive. Well, there's nothing that can steady you more than the Word of God to prepare your day. Nothing. No news is going to do it. All the news is going to do it is create instability. Or, as one writer puts, the news will give you the joyless, gloomy view of your whole day. Well, who wants that? It's not the idea of sober as opposed to drunk. It's the idea of sober meaning uh, serious or different from joyless. Be joyful. <coughs> it means self-control. Steady, attentive. It describes a state of mental alertness and control. In fact, really, as the, one writer puts it like this, here is a solid person, a stable person, or a preacher who is not flaky, trendy, not a pursuer of every whim in the face of a challenging world in the midst of vacillating uh, churches in the context of rocking and reeling society. Here is a man who is rooted, steadfast, stable, and rock-solid, and he will never compromise. Is that who we want to be? Absolutely. We don't want this to influence us. We want to be the influencer. So we have to remain sober. Number two, endure hardship. This is according to verse 5. Endure hardships. Endure hardships 
Well, th that's an interesting thing. To endure hardship, that would tell us that uh, take a minister who is uh, faithful, he's going to expect difficulty and popularity. That's right. Well, so is that for the Christian. You start taking a stand for the Word of God, you're going to endure hardships. In other words, be ready. Take that stand. Be willing to do that. Then it says, uh, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, stay in the Word. Preach the Word. Teach the Word. Don't be afraid of the Word. And then it says, fulfill your ministry. And that's basically what he's saying. This will be fulfilling your ministry to actually do this. So, one of the little things that I wrote about this or saw this is our impact uh, needs to be pure and practical for the next year. And there's no way we're going to do that apart from understanding God's preferred route for our next year. If someone were to ask you, what do you think God wants you to do next year? Or this year, I mean, keep saying next year. We're in next year. Uh, what do you think God wants you to do this year? How do you think God wants you to be different than last year? What do you think your goals ought to be for spiritual appetite? Can we even answer that? Well, we need to answer that. And I thank you today for joining me on this. I know it was a quick study. Uh, hopefully it was a little encouraging, uh, but it, it is something that's been on my mind because it, it's it's dealing with the Word of God, and I see so more and more people are, are choosing to not choose the Word of God. They want to be in places where they feel good, where the music is good. Uh, I constantly hear people commenting on churches that, that uh, don't play the up, uh, up-and-coming new praise team beats, and they, they get on to churches for old music, just like our church. We had people come in and say, you know, when I look at the song sheet and the song that was written in 1800 or 1900 i'm already fearful i'd already think i'm not going to like the service well that's so ridiculous it's the word of god it's the preaching that is the worship of the service it's the teaching that is the worship in the service the music is for another purpose so thank you i for to, to for joining me today <clears throat> as we looked at <clears throat> excuse me i can't even talk uh, taking a stand and come back and listen to the next parts of the series on God's preferred route. Thank you so much.